So sometimes on Sunday mornings, I'll sneak into here. Uh, the worship team thinks it's to get some pre-service worship before I go down to kids' church. But it's really just to poke fun at Pastor Brian. Because uh, we've known each other for 25 years, and so we can, like, you know, drive each other nuts without even saying a word from the other side of the room, and it's just kind of fun to do that. But sometimes when I come in here on a Sunday morning early, I see... Uh, Pastor Joel or Pastor Tom just walking through these rows and these aisles and just worshiping and praying over every seat that we eventually are going to sit in. And uh, so today, uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to do what the big guys do. And so I came in here early, made fun of Brian, and then I proceeded to, uh, to walk through this place and just... Uh, just pray for these chairs, pray for this room, praying for you guys. And uh, i got to tell you, you look a lot better in person than you did in, you know, at 7 this morning in my head. <clears throat> the coffee hadn't kicked in yet, so uh, thank you for showing up. But as I was praying, I had this kind of this image that came into my head, kind of like going through these rows. Like you're at a game, like a baseball game, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you want to get a hot dog, you want to get a pop, you want to get something down the side of the row, uh, and you're, hey, hey, you know, and so, you know, you're like 15 people down, so, you know, they're passing down your money all the way down, and then they're passing the, the Diet Coke all the way back, you know, by the time it gets to you, you know, there's about two-thirds of it left, and the hot dog's cold, and, and it's too late to ask for mustard, uh, because that guy's already in another section. Um, and I just thought, as I was praying through here, I, I just had a sense, this is, this is cool. So you got to think it's cool because I think it's cool. Uh, but that Jesus is not just walking uh, up and down these aisles like a vendor. Hey, you down there. What do you need? Yeah, I got you covered. Hopefully it's still there by the time it gets to you. Hopefully it's still hot. I had an image of Jesus walking up and down and through each of these rows up here all the way down. And just that Jesus personally has something in store for every one of you and every one of us this morning. And you know what he has in store for you? It's him. I mean, we can nickel and dime the details of our situation and our life and our drama and all the stuff that's going on and all the things that are wrong and all the blow-ups in our news feed and Facebook feed, and we can fuss and gripe and all that stuff. But Jesus has an encounter for you personally with him. And when we encounter Jesus, the details are just details, and it doesn't matter as much as when we have a personal encounter with Jesus. And so, uh, the, if you know me at all, it's all right, they're only a dollar. <clears throat> you know that I li like to live straight up. I like to live authentically. I got my successes out here. I got my mistakes and my failures and my struggles out here because I gave up trying to put on the face. And I just saw a lot of Christians that just were trying to be the center of attention, and I just wanted Jesus to be the center of attention. And so I gave up my rights, and I wanted to live my life so that Jesus would become the center of attention. So our goal as a Christian is to be like Christ, to represent him, to walk in his steps, to hear his voice, to know his heart. And I want to walk so close with Jesus that people who don't know Jesus will actually kind of get a taste of him because of the way we live our lives. Not because of the programs that we do, not because of the, the crafty political arguments that we post, um, but because we're like Jesus. And uh, people don't need to see us anyway. They really need to see Jesus. So this morning, we're going to have some fun. Because that's the way I like to do it. Because I think Jesus is just full of joy. Even when he was going to the cross, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning and shame. It was for the joy set before him. And the joy set before him was our faces, our lives, our eternal destiny, our future relationship and friendship with Almighty God and our destiny to be in heaven with him forever. That's the joy that he saw that got him through that pain. Last time I preached was in January. And that was when Pastor Tom asked me to preach on contending for the presence, for more of the presence of God. And if you were here that day, you know that I was in a low place in my life. And I'm like, Tom, are you kidding me? And uh, I want to just say that uh, on the heels of that, on the other side of some of that, I met with another pastor and he just said, hey, Dave, how's it going? Heard you were going through some down times. Everything good? Everything good? You know, nice guy, but well-meaning, but he just wanted a good report. And... Uh, 
And I said, well, truth is everything, the important things are good. And then I looked at him across that table and I said, um, I said, you know, though, dude, uh, Tom says, bro, I say, dude, um, <laughs> you know, dude, I, uh, I would rather go through three months of a dark valley where the presence of Jesus is the only thing that I have to cling on to than to live one day casually aware of his presence. And, you know, that is a testimony to the Holy Spirit's work in a wretched sinner like me. That in those dark places, it wasn't, God, where are you? But it's God met me there because he was all that I had. And he used that opportunity. Maybe he created that opportunity. Either way, because he wanted more of me. So I'm here today saying that, am I on the other side of that season of depression? Yeah. Is it going to happen again? Bring on the valley. Because I want Jesus to have everything. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. That wasn't like a burn him at the stake clap, was it? Okay. Okay, good. That would be awkward. Um, When we make time to get to know Jesus more, we become free from patterns of thinking that render us hesitant and insecure and ineffective because we're so concerned with what people are thinking about us and we're not consumed with what God wants and how God sees us. So we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning and I'm going to tell a lot of stories. And I feel like this place is going to be filled with the joy of the Lord because there is hope. Jesus is our hope and he does not disappoint. And in that hope, there is fullness of joy. And so let's hope. Let's be filled with joy. If you came here planning to have a bad day today, I just want to encourage you to change your plans because God is here to resurrect things that have been lost, that have been stolen, prayers that have gone unanswered, wounds that have just been buried. God wants to reveal those things so that he can meet you in your pain and he can reveal things to you in a deeper way than you've ever known before. And what he wants to reveal to you most of all is his son. So, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for meeting us, for giving us this place to gather. Thank you for air conditioning. Thank you, Lord, for the good things, for the big things, for the little things. Lord, thank you for the relationships that are in our life. Thank you for the body of Christ, this church family, Lord. Thank you for a place to call home. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to come to this earth to show us the way and to be the way. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus, to take the punishment that we deserved so that we could be set free and made right with the God of the universe. Hello. Thank you, God. We love you. Would you let us just tap into that hope today? I pray that you would just untie things that are unnecessarily binding us. The opinions of people, the weight of our, the bad news from the doctor, Lord, the, the, the stress of a broken home, things that are dark secrets from our past, Lord, overwhelming scenarios that we're facing at this very moment. These are no small things, Lord, and these are certainly weighty burdens, but you are our burden bearer. And I pray that as you go along each row, each aisle today, that you would touch us and that you would show us Jesus, that everything else would grow strangely dim in the light of seeing your face and your glory and your grace today. That would be a miracle that we would love to encounter today. Let us see Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, there are three things that, uh, that are ways that I have just learned as I've studied the scripture and as I've watched the life of Jesus unfold through the Bible that Jesus does that I want to emulate and represent in my life that are just very simple common sense things that we can do that sometimes we get that we overlook because they're so simple but it's to be a servant to be a student don't say that word in the summertime Uh, and to be a shepherd I think that those are three things, and that's where we're going to go this morning, so uh, I'm going to tell you where we're going, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you what we did, in case you're, 
I was ADD before it was invented, so I'm kind of uh, helping out those of you among us until my pill kicks in. All right. So, God wants us to serve people, meet people's needs, because that's what Jesus came to do, and study, to be a student, to be aware of the things that are around us, to study the scriptures, and to be aware of our own hearts. And then finally, to shepherd, to show the way for others. And I really feel like there's a word today for those of you who are in the second half of life, for those who are feel maybe like you're too old, you're washed up, you have nothing else to give this generation because you're just so far behind the times. I just want you to know from the very beginning that God thinks otherwise. You are a critical part of this church family. We desperately need the wisdom and the experience and the courage and the faithfulness that you have to offer. And we need the words of encouragement, exhortation, and wisdom and truth that you have for us because you have lived those things over a long period of time. And that is something that us, us, the younger generation, like how I put this 46-year-old man of the younger generation, I plan to live to be uh, 103, so I'm not at the halfway point yet. So when we serve and when we study, it almost naturally qualifies us to be a shepherd. So here we go. Uh, first of all, Matthew 10, 24 and 25. A student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and like their masters. So we're not, this was Jesus talking. We're not supposed to be above Jesus, but we're supposed to strive to be like him. And he's going to help us get there. So being a servant Meeting people's needs, following Christ's example. Now, in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come to be served, although he could have, and he probably should have, but he came to serve. He didn't come riding in a, in a carriage full of an entourage of horses and Fancy people, he came riding on a backway path on a donkey that had never been ridden before. Side note, isn't that cool that that donkey was just tied up since birth and then in a moment became a carrier of God's presence? If God can use a donkey that had never been ridden to be a carrier of his son, the path that changed the course of this planet. I think he can use me. And maybe you. So things like, (laughs) to be like Christ that I don't like, turn the other cheek. If someone hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands that you carry their stuff a mile, you do it and then you gladly say, I'm going to go the second mile. (sighs) Bless those that persecute you. Pray for your enemies. This is why I never get out of Genesis, because that's more of the happy stories. <laughs> Every year I start the one-year Bible, I get through Genesis. So a guy cuts me off as I'm going on to 51 the other day on Thursday. I'm just saying that in case you're in this room. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm like, dude. I mean, right there in front of me, like, come on, you saw me, you know, and, you know, so, so I'm like, okay, could I go around him? No problem. So I did, I did, you know, I'm like, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. No, I got a honk, so he knows that he did wrong, you know, you know, yeah. It's not right, it's not fair, but I'm a sinner. And um, you look at that, you know, Jesus came to save, to, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I can't even give up my space on Highway 51. To a guy that's probably having a rough day or even just made a mistake. You know what? That doesn't matter. I need to be like Jesus. Hey, you guys are cheap counseling. Thanks. <laughs> Serving God is a way that we can be a servant. In uh, 2 Corinthians 9 12, 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we serve, it's not just taking care of people's needs, which is what a servant does, a good servant does that well, but it's actually an act of thankfulness to God. We're living our life to be thankful for what God has done for us. Now, some of you know that I have, uh, on Wednesday mornings, in the spring and the fall, I open up my garage. Started off with six of my neighbors and some guys from the church, and, uh, and it's grown. So we have this neighborhood guy thing in our front lawn, and fire, and now hot rods and classic cars come by, and now our whole garage is gutted out like a man cave, and we get a million Dunkin' Donuts and serve 250 cups of coffee every week to all y'all. And, uh, well, it's great. So we got these signs on the street, and, uh, and one time, this is about a year ago, this, this uh, blah, 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 Harley comes pulling right up, you know, in front of the house, and uh, this guy gets out and gets out, <laughs> gets off the bike, and um, <clears throat> smaller bike, and, uh, and he comes wandering up the driveway, and what is going on here? And he just looked mad and mean, and so I just kept, you know, replacing donuts, and hopefully some of my other, some of my bouncers would take care of him, you know, and, uh, um, and he comes, comes up into the garage, and he, he steps right up to the threshold of the garage, and he's like, is this your place? Yeah. What's happening? I said, it's just guys in the neighborhood hanging out. We're just chilling, you know, whatever. Just guy time. Want some coffee? He grunted. I kept replacing donuts. Anyway, I turned around a couple minutes later. He was gone. His bike was gone. Darn it. You know, man, I wanted to connect with him. I mean, maybe I wasn't tough enough, cool enough, normal enough. Uh, thanks, Raleigh. Um, so, <laughs> my uncle's here this morning. Uh, so he comes back about 15 minutes later with a neighbor. And he comes strutting up that driveway with his neighbor. Hey, how's it going? Hey, he comes right into that garage. How's it going? This is great. Hey, and you know what his name is? Norm. Norm. You know, so he comes up now. Norm. So anyway, I was talking to Norm. I was with Norm this week. I said, can I tell your story? He's like, tell my story, but I'm still a work in progress. Norm started coming every single week. He's the biggest Facebook promoter of this Dad's at Dave's breakfast bash that we have at our house. And Norm is authentic, and he's the real deal. The next spring he comes in. I hadn't talked to him a ton, but I'm in there doing donuts again. And he comes, and he gets in my face. He's like, so what's really going on here? Uh, mommy? Um... Bavarian cream? <laughs> I, I said, hey, it's just guys hanging out. We're just chilling. I said, you know, just guy time. You know, we do it in the morning so it doesn't interfere with family time. And, hey, it's just cool. And then he gets even closer. And he's like, and he points to me. He's like, what's going on in here? And you know what? I'm not Pastor Dave in my garage. I'm not Pastor Dave in my prayer time. <laughs> I was not Pastor Dave to Norm. And he said, what's going on in here? What's really happening? And I said, you know what? God has chased me for so many years. And I ran and I stiff-armed him and I did my own thing and I was striving to be the center of attention. I said, it was good and it was fun. I said, but it was short-lived and it wasn't sustainable and I just wasn't satisfied. I said, so once I finally caved in and said yes to Jesus... I realized that he was going to take me as I am and bring me into his family and had a spot at his table. I said, in this whole thing right here, this is just my and my wife's way of giving back just a fraction of all of the goodness and the generosity that Jesus has given to us. And I could hear him breathing through his nostrils. And he pokes me again and he says, that makes sense. And he walks away. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! Because, oh, man, I was ready to be, meet my maker that day, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know what? 
So here I am, you know, it's a, it's a year and a half later, and I'm over at Norm's house the other night for dinner. And my wife and I are over there. He lives in the neighborhood, and, and we're all a work in progress. Then he started sniffing out these men's breakfasts that we have around here. And he's, now he's on the email list. Might not come to the services, but, I, but I'll look online. But those men's breakfasts, I'll be there. You know, I decided that I don't need to be in a hurry. That's God's job. I just want to serve him and serve people. When we obey in secret, where no one else is going to see what happens except Jesus, that's powerful stuff. And you know what? The way that we serve God is just by serving people and loving on other people. <sighs> serving the church. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have to receive, wait, whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it, do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So check this out. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So each of us has been given a gift. And we should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. And in doing that, we are being faithful stewards of God's grace towards us in its various forms. That's what I was doing with Norm. I basically just said, I am here to serve you because I want to be a good steward of God's grace for me. So serving the church, I just want to thank all of you that, are, that do so many things around here Leading groups, making coffee, serving food, purchasing food, serving in children's ministry, being a youth volunteer, greeting at the door, just taking care of things that the family needs to do to make the family thrive. And it's just great when people are serving the church. And then when I see people serving the church, you guys are not serving like, yeah, it's my Sunday again. No, it's just like, I mean, I see these guys in three-piece suits, you know, running that carpet sweeper, man, and they are just proud. I, sometimes I just want to sprinkle some coconut dust over there just to give them something because they look so happy. Um, but that might change things up a little bit. Um, but, I mean, when people are serving around here, it's beautiful. Serve, I've never seen a servant that loves Jesus that is in a bad mood while they're serving. Occasionally, um, but not very often. If you have a gift, employ that gift to serve one another. So back when I was young, 20, um, there was a guy in my church down in Chicago. I didn't like him. And I'm like, that's cool. I kept justifying it with God. God, I don't need to like him, do I? We're good, right? I don't like everybody in my family. I don't have to like him, right? I mean, I love him. That's cool. I can do that. But I don't even like him or hang with him, right? God never said anything. We were at a prayer meeting one time, and I don't know, it was just something about his personality. He was a good guy, but I just... Uh. And, um, and he came up to me, and he said, uh, Hey, Dave, I feel like God has a word for you. <laughs> I'm like... Not through you, dude. You know, I mean, that's what I'm thinking in my head. You know, no. And, um, um, and he had bad breath, too. Um, uh, yeah, what is it? You know, and I'm just, I'm just kind of being a punk. I mean, hopefully he's not seeing it. But I'm, and, and he just said two sentences. Um, and then he was just like, you know, I just, I just kept thinking of you, and I wanted you, I just thought God might want you to know that. And then he walked away and kept praying, and man, that was the word of God. And you know what? I think he knew that I didn't like him. And I am just so thankful that he came up to a punk, an undeserving punk like me, out of obedience to the Lord, and decided to serve another brother in the body of Christ because he, God was leading him to do so. You guys, 
God might ask you to do something for someone else in this room that is not what you would have thought or not the person that you would have wanted to be with. Just do it. Secret obedience is beautiful. God's glory is revealed when needs are being met, and God loves to meet the needs of the body through the body. Amen. Go for it. You guys don't clap. These guys are clapping. We'll get you on point two. Finally, don't get excited. Not like finally, finally, but finally under serving. Um, That's the only word that I wake up to in a sermon, man. Finally, yeah, amen. Uh, Is to serve the world. Uh, I have a scripture. What is it? Ah, there it is. 1 Peter 2.12. Live such good lives among the pagans. Pagans, <laughs> that sounds like this is a brutal word. It basically means people that aren't a part of the church family. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. On the day that he visits us. What that really looks like as you look into that is that they will glorify God on the day that they actually make a connection with him. On the day that they acknowledge a visit from God. That they would see what we do. And even though they want to nitpick what we're doing, they can't because we're living such good lives. Not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is and he's living the authentic, genuine reality of Christ in and through our lives. That's what I want to be. Okay, so I, uh, my kids go to La Follette High School, and um, uh, some of them do. Uh, and uh, when our son started going over to La Follette, our first, I went and I saw the principal over there. Uh, he was a new principal, young guy. He wasn't even 40 yet. And um, um, so he was at a basketball game, and so I, I went over and I said, hey, are you the principal? I said, yeah, I'm Dave Bechtold, and um, I think I might have told some of you this story before, you know, and I said, yeah, I said, hey, we're going to be here at La Follette for the next 10 years, you know, and he's thinking, wow, either you got a lot of kids or one real stupid one, you know. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I said, no, I got, I got four kids, you know, and um, so we're over there and I'm talking with him and, um, and we just kind of got to know each other over the course of that year and uh, there was really nothing going on for parents, no official PTA, PTO, PTF, PTU, whatever they call it, PTL. Uh, that was for you, Raleigh. PTL. Um, and uh, I said, you know what, I, I don't like the politics of PTA stuff. I said, but I'd love, I said, I've got a heart to connect families with this school. And I said, I, love, I have a heart to help parents engage in the educational uh, system and for parents to connect with their kids and have open communication in their families so where we can support families from this place and families can be connected here. And uh, he's like, all right, I like that. I said, I don't have a vision that I'm going to come in and do. I said, I want to do whatever I can to support the vision that you have for the school. So little did I know that he was checking with the other principals of the other schools that I had volunteered in and apparently I'd cleared and passed and um, like a good gallstone. And uh, um, I don't know where that came from. Dude. Okay. Tremble. And uh, so there's a new principal at La Follette last year. And, um, and so he said, hey, Dave, I'd love to introduce you to the new principal. So we've been there for four years doing this, leading the La Follette parent community. And, um, and so he's going to introduce me to the new principal and he's like, yeah, he just needs to know, you know, what a, what a gift that he's got. And Dave and Sarah Beck told him, I'm just, I'm just thinking this poor new principal, this guy's just rather like, dude, I just want to come in and clean the slate, do my own thing. I said, so I just kind of went in there, kind of like to offer my resignation as a volunteer. Like, hey, whatever you want or don't want to do with me, you know, new principal guy, I have no uh, expectations. So the old principal's sitting there, and, um, uh, and we're sitting here talking, and he's basically introducing me to the new principal. And here's what he says. He says, uh, you know, Dave and Sarah, he talks about some of the stuff that we have been doing with the Follett parent community, how we've gathered new parents and made connections and helped with different things, which is great. And then he said this word that just kind of floored me. He said, uh, he said if, you, 
if you let Dave Bechtel be on your team, um, he's like, you're getting a servant. He's like, let, let me think. He's like, I can't think of a single time ever that the agenda of Dave Bechtold at this school was to do anything but serve. When he said that, I almost cried because that is what I want to be. I don't want to be some Christian guy that's trying to pull the levers or turn, turn the levers, pull the strings, and trying to get things to happen. I want Jesus to be that guy, and I want to be a servant. And for someone, you know, at a secular public school to be saying to another leader, you know, all that he has done ever is serve. And I was so grateful in my heart, not because I'm awesome, (laughs) but because I'm a servant. And I just was so thankful that that's the greatest, I mean, glimpse that someone could get of Christ is that he was a servant. And so it just inspired me, again, for the work that God's been doing in my heart from taking me from being the center of attention to letting Jesus be the center of attention without even mentioning his name, doggone it. They'll see him by what we do. So, be a servant. Know Jesus. Be thankful. Use your gifts and make a difference by serving people. Another way that we can just live out common sense Christianity is, is to be a student, to study, uh, study the Bible, study people around us, be aware of your own heart, your own behavior patterns, just to be alert and attentive to what's going on inside of you and around you and what God has. I, I love the Bible. I need the Bible. Um, I'll tell you something here in a second, but Matthew 22, 29 says, uh, okay, I'll just give you a little background. So people were always fussing and nitpicking about, I don't know, I think if we interviewed Jesus, he'd just be saying stupid stuff. Um, I don't know what that's like in the Greek, but I'm guessing it would be, but anyway, so here's, here's his response to one of these offbeat questions that were kind of meant to trap him or to get him to not be so great in the eyes of people. So Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And then he went on to explain the nickel and diming, the situation, the the specific answer that they were looking for. But here's what he said. He's like, this is not about a technicality. This is about you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Jesus was making a huge statement about the power of God revealed in the truth of the scriptures. I need the Bible. I grew up in Awana. I knew the scriptures. I could sing all the vacation Bible school songs. I was one of the best doggone pastor's kids there were um, on Sundays. But then I was doing my own thing. And even then, Jesus wasn't getting the center of attention. It was really me. Look how great Dave is. Dave's like Jesus. Dave, Dave, Dave. Mm. It's not sustainable in its satisfaction, guys. My dad turned me on to some of these deep spiritual formation books, and I don't even know what those words meant. Um, but I care about what my dad thinks. And he's talking about what goes on in the deep places of your soul and how we tend to our heart and how we guard our minds against what we allow to come into them and how the Scripture is so foundational in truth that it needs to govern what we do and it needs to be foundation from where we live our lives. And he said, David, I need to tremble at his word. It is a privilege that we have in this country that we can have a Bible, if not 10 of them at home, gathering dust, where people are dying all over the planet and they're just hiding out this one page that they have. And he said, I never want to forget the amazing privilege and opportunity it is that we have to have the word. Well, I remember when I was like 18, I got excited about Jesus, and I read the Bible a lot. But about five years ago, I was telling Brian Montre, I said, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not trembling at God's word. But I was reading it a lot. So here's what I thought in my head. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm reading it too much. You know, it's just becoming old hat. It's just becoming, you know, trite. It's, I'll read it less. So that way, when I do read it, it'll be like, yeah. So that's a surefire way to get closer to God is to lessen your Bible reading plan, you know. Uh, And I've sensed the Holy Spirit saying directly to me, don't stop reading so that you can tremble at my word again. Read more and more and immerse yourself deeper and deeper into the truth of my word until you tremble at it again. Okay. And so I did that. And it was just kind of boring. It was just kind of, okay, but I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. And then I'm sitting out on my sun porch one morning, and I'm reading through some obscure book in the Old Testament, and uh, the book of Joel. And, and the power of the Word of God just struck so deep within me. I don't know, that sounds so goofy and vague, but that's all I can say. It's just that I was beholding the living and breathing Word of God, and it was sharper than any double-edged sword, and it was dividing the very center of my soul. And I had an encounter with the Almighty God, and I came back the next day, and I touched my Bible, and I opened it, and the same thing happened again. And all of a sudden, those little petty arguments and frustrations and things that I fuss about and want changed and all the rights and privileges that I should have, doggone it, it just doesn't matter when you're face-to-face with Jesus and immersed in the reality of the truth of his word. You're not that great anymore, and your dark, dire needs are not that critical anymore because God is faithful and he is good. The Bible is critical for us in this day to see the truth of who God is and what his plans are and the hope that we have in him that does not disappoint. Amen. All right. Pay attention to people. Be a student of the people around you. All right, I got to blow my nose, but I'm on a microphone. Can we mute me for a second? Okay, here we go. You know, my kid, all right, we're good, we're good. My kids are like, Dad, why do you put snot back in your pocket? Because that's what Grandpa did, you know? I use Old Spice Original Stick deodorant, and on the back of it said, if your grandpa hadn't worn this, you wouldn't have been born. I'm serious, check it out. Next time you're in the store. That's good marketing right there. So I like coffee. Maybe a couple of you know that. And, um, and so I, I love going to coffee shops around town. Unfortunately, they closed down so many of the east side coffee shops on the far east side, you know. And so five, six, seven years ago, I mean, it was just a, a coffee shop graveyard over here. And I just, I'm the coffee snob that I never wanted to become. I just wanted to confess that. Check. Okay, good. So I go over to... Uh, Java Cat, and I love their coffee, and I just, there's a new spot, Monona Drive, and I'm like, I like this, some outdoor seating, people are friendly, and then I started going in there, and they knew what I want, large dark roast with some room and a to-go cup, yeah, baby, get the hint, um, <clears throat> uh, and so everyone there was just kind of nice, I mean, some even knew my name, I was getting to know their names, but then I would go up, and there was this, uh, and oftentimes there was this woman who would check me out um, at the register, and, and it was just very short and quick, and that will be 306, okay? Does somebody need a hug? You know, you know, you know, no, it was, but it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, what's, wow, you know, well, I don't know what's going on. So anyway, I'd come back, and everybody would be like, hey, you know, and it'd be all nice and stuff, and then this person would check, you know, ring me up, and just very... No eye contact, just straight. I mean, it's like for 
for like a year and a half. I'm just, I was so, I just want to be with people. I don't want, maybe she knows I'm a God guy and she doesn't like that. Maybe she knows that I'm part of a church and that's rubbing her the wrong way. I don't know, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to fix it. <laughs> and um, it's always busy in there in the mornings. So one time I was there and I was waiting for uh, my friend to come over and, um, and he never, he wasn't showing up. Um, so uh, I'm just kind of doing my own stuff. I mean, when, it's a, when you got a smartphone, you're never alone, you know? And, uh, and I hear a voice from behind the counter. All by yourself today? I didn't recognize that voice. And I look over and it's that woman standing over the counter looking at me, speaking nicely to me. Yeah, my guy didn't show up. Well, come talk to me. So uh, we're over there. You know, we got a three-foot barrier of countertop between us, and, and nobody else was in the place. And she looked at me, and uh, she just started unpacking her life. And she says, every day for the last 18 months, I've woken up thinking that today's going to be my last day, that I'm going to end it. she just come out of a rough relationship, kids, grandchild, dysfunction, pain, hopelessness. For 15 minutes, nobody came to that store. And she's sharing this with me. She said, aren't you a part of some church? Oh, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, where is it? Where do you guys meet? Well, that was just when we started coming over here to, to this building five, six years ago. I said, yeah, well, write down your service times. And I'm like, is she just trying to, like, make me feel good, you know, before she hurts me, you know, or what, you know, what, you know, and so I, I wrote them down. And she's like, all right. Thanks for chatting. You're welcome. I walked out and got in my car. I'm like, God, what was that? You know, for a year and a half, I prayed for this woman. And that's all I could do. I just so wanted to be her friend, but not so that I could be her friend. I just, I just could sense the heaviness and the weight. And... I don't know if she was just sniffing out to see if I was really trustworthy, that I would give her that space that she needed or if I was just going to be another Christian that was just going to serve their own agenda instead of theirs. And uh, the next Sunday I came, I came up here to make fun of Brian. And um, so I'm coming down the center row. And I get a tap on the back shoulder, and, and here's this beautiful woman in this flowing dress with a smile on her face, and it's my friend Sherry from the coffee shop. And she says, I made it. I'm here. And she gives me this hug right there, and I'm crying. I don't know what's happening. So then I go into the coffee shop the next week. Everyone's friendly as normal. And I leave. She's like, bye, Pastor Dave. See you Sunday. <laughs> Sherry, where are you? Son of man did not come to be served, but, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was very aware of what was going on around him. So be a student. Be a student of your heart, of our hearts. Proverbs 4.23. <clears throat> Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it.
guard our hearts. Once we guard our hearts, we can actually live out the life that God has for us. When he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. When he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, or your mother-in-law, or your brother, or that coworker, or your boss, or that driver on 51. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle, and Jesus has overcome that battle. When we guard our hearts, we can live out the life that says, work and serve as unto the Lord. We can really have the strength and the courage to turn the other cheek when someone wrongs us. God doesn't want us to just survive. He wants us to soar. Microphone. (laughs) Keeping it real, baby. And then... Be a student of Jesus. Just follow him, emulate him, fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. We've just been going over this this spring in Kids Church. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We don't need to grow weary and lose heart, even though our strength may fail, because God is the strength of our heart, and he is our portion forever. And if we fix our eyes on Jesus, we don't have to do it in our strength. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Our weakness does not disqualify us. It qualifies us. Jesus is not operating some giant guilt machine. He's cheering us on. He is cheering us on. He wants us to run this race. He wants us to finish this race. And he is inviting us and calling us and assisting us to finish this race well. We are going to finish this race well when we get past this veil and we see him face to face. And we know all things as we are known. Your mistakes don't fluster him. Our bad choices don't scare him. Your weaknesses and shortcomings do not disqualify you, but they actually empower you to encounter the grace of God that has been given to us. We are frail creatures created by God, frail by design, so that we could need our Savior who can do more than we could ever ask or imagine and do more than we could ever do on our own. It is he that has saved us. He that has redeemed us. Jesus is the one. He is the rock of our salvation He is the only hope that we have and the only hope that we can share with this lost and dying world. Jesus is good. In the book of Jude, it says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence, blameless and with great joy. That is what, maybe one of his biggest miracles, he is able to make us stand in his presence, blameless and with great joy. There is no way we could stand in his presence with great joy, carrying the guilt of our sin and our shame and our selfishness. But he is the one who is able to make us stand blameless in his presence, which gives us that joy. And it fulfills the joy, I believe, that was set before him when he endured the cross. Our joy, wow, I'm just thinking of this right now. I mean, our joy is just culminated and climaxed together as we meet with Jesus. We are the fulfillment of his joy as he is the fulfillment of our joy. That is what a lost and dying world needs to see as we live out the reality of Jesus in this day, in this age, in our marriages, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our jobs, in our community. God wants to reveal Jesus to these people because Jesus is our only hope. Amen. All right. Now, finally... Be a shepherd. Show the way for others. A curious believer will probably become a Christian. They'll want to be like Christ. They'll want to be saved from their sins. A thankful Christian will most likely become a disciple. Not just wanting to be like Christ, but to actually follow in Christ's footsteps. And a servant-hearted disciple will naturally become a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. 
Jesus is the good shepherd. And he invites us as his sheep to follow him, but also to follow in his footsteps. He says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. He knows us. He knows you. And he wants you anyway. And he wants me anyway. I love it. We are qualified to be shepherds if we are disciples of Christ. 2 Corinthians 3. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from who? From God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Our adequacy, our competence is from God. His power is perfected in our weakness. Paul got to the point where he said, I will boast in my weaknesses and my failures and my shortcomings and my mistakes, amplified version, so that Christ's power might rest upon me. His power is revealed when needs are being met and his power is revealed as we acknowledge our weakness and our need for him. And this is where I want to, I want to thank you that are older than me who have given so much in your life, who have so much more to give, who might have been be sitting on a shelf because you don't know exactly what you have to give, or maybe even more sadly, uh, how to give it away. Just seems like this world is going a different way and it's all technology and it's all immediate gratification and everything's overstimulated. And I mean, I just want to share the basic truths of staying married for a long time, being in one place for a long time, just doing what's right because it's the right thing to do. Nobody even wants to hear about that stuff anymore. Maybe we don't want to, but we need to. When I was 18 years old, I worked at a car wash. And we, we worked full Saturdays. It started at 8 o'clock in the morning. And our church down in Chicagoland in Mount Prospect, Illinois, had a men's prayer group that met from 7 to 8 on Saturday mornings. And I would get all set, dressed up in my car wash outfit, and, and I'd go over to the prayer meeting. And I'll tell you what, these guys were all triple my age. I mean, 60s, 70s, 80s. There was about 12 of them in this room. And I would just go there and just watch. I would just watch as these older men, these saints, these fathers and grandfathers would just weep as they said the name of Jesus. As they would just honor each other as one had need, that they would just empty their wallet and give to those that had need. I watched them on Sunday mornings as, as they would open up the door for their wife to come out of the car, and then they would just carefully walk them into the church building. I watched as they would pray, and I watched as... I stumbled at their simplicity and their slowness because I was busy and wanted the next adventure. Now! But there was just something undeniably powerful and beautiful about the way that they lived their lives. It was this simple devotion to Christ. And if you've lived a life and you've logged your time serving people, studying the scriptures, then please, please shepherd us. Because we need what you have. The next time you see a family with a bunch of scrappy kids running around, because I used to be that family, now they're scrappy teenagers, instead of just saying, oh, why are they in the sanctuary? You say, we're going to take you to lunch today. We need to pour into people. I'll tell you what, the people that have made a big difference in our lives have been the older people 
that have just let us sit at their feet and hear stories of the simple life and the devoted heart. I love technology. I love being busy. I love adventures. But I'll tell you, if we're not careful, they can get in the way. And they can cloud our ability to shepherd other people because we're teaching them tricks and tools and tips and ideas and habit patterns as opposed to teaching them the way of the heart that's devoted to Christ, that's immersed in the truth of God's word, and that has a heart that makes Jesus the center of attention as we serve others. That's good stuff. So I just, I want to say thank you for those of you who have invested into me. And on behalf of the older generations, thank you. Thank you for just being here, for being faithful, for sitting in that same bench every Sunday. It's stuff like that that could be comical to us, but it's beautiful because it's stability that we so desperately need. I don't know how that's going to work out and how we're all going to glean from each other in that, but I just want to say you have so much to give, and I pray that God would give you a fresh opportunities to give away the life well-lived that you're already living before us. Please, and thank you. All right. All right. Our responsibility to be a shepherd. Here's what Jesus said to Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He asked him this three times. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He went on to say, take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. The way that Jesus was inviting Peter to show his devotion to Christ was to take care of people. And as we do these things, people will see Jesus in us. Can the band come back up here, please? And we will begin to delight in the things that delight God's heart. So you know we've started this third service. And I'll tell you, these kids that come in this third service, there aren't many of them. And there was this part of me that's like, oh, man, really? Like, it's just so hard because I'm used to doing big kids' church. And then, you know, these kids come, there's like, you know, 5, 10, 12. And it's like, man, do I even use a microphone? I mean, it's just almost harder to, like, corral a small group of children than it is to, for me to, like, speak to 50, 60 of them on a microphone with loud music. And so I was fussing, and I'd even fuss to Tom just because I'm selfish and lazy. And... um Thank you, Brian. Um, I'll tell you what. Last week, I made a decision. I said, I'm going to come in on Sunday night on that third service, and I'm going to give everything I have. I said, I don't care how many kids show up. I said, I, they deserve everything that Jesus has for them and the gifts that God has put in me. So I went in there, full music, full microphone, five children showed up. You know what? And I went for it. And I'll tell you, at the end, I was exhausted, but it was so rewarding. I had so much more fun giving everything that I had instead of trying to nickel and dime and save some for my selfish little self. Our delight will be in serving and shepherding God's people when you do it with a thankful heart and when you give it everything you have. Because the more you give, the more you're going to see the strength of God shining in your weakness. Yeah. Uh, Can we stand up? Okay. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to. I want you to take a step. God loved this world so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin that we deserve. Jesus came as the perfect son of God to be the sacrifice to die in our place because he's the only one that could do it. So he died in our place to show God's love and then God revealed his power when he rose Jesus from the grave three days later. God's love and his power are eternal and they're available for you and me. So 
All we need to do is say yes. Yeah, I'm a little messed up. I need Jesus. I want to be right with God. God, God put the formula out there. I'll send my son Jesus to take the price, that, to pay the punishment that you couldn't pay so that we can be with God, not just in heaven forever, but he can walk with us now. Partners in the race to finish and to finish well. So, okay, our eyes are open. Mm-mm. If you want to know Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand because, yeah, brother, come on. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to be set free from my sin. I want to live guilt-free, not because I'm not guilty, but because you paid the price for my sin. I want Jesus. So I'm going to pray a little prayer that I'm going to invite you to join with me. If you prayed a prayer like this before, help those of us that are doing this for the first time. It's just telling God we're sorry and thanking him for what he's done and saying yes to Jesus. So I'll do a little. You echo me back if you'd like. Dear God, I'm selfish. I'm sinful. And I need help. Thank you for sending Jesus to not have the answers, but to be the answer. Thank you for the cross, for taking my punishment so that I can be friends with God. I love you, God. Help me to serve and help me to follow the good shepherd all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank God for being so good? All right. All right. God bless you guys. We're going to finish with uh, some tunes if you want to hang in here. The prayer teams are coming up if you want some extra prayer. Have a great day.